Hello, I'm your host, Bobby King, and I'm here to talk with you about something that you might not expect. This podcast is a place where we talk to people who are willing to share their thoughts on the church today. This will be pastors, Christians, non-Christians, the average church attender, other religious members, people who have never experienced church before. I want to give people the opportunity to have a true and open conversation. Join us on the couch of your mind for Church Conversations. Welcome to Church Conversations. My name is Bobby King, as you heard in the intro, but I want to introduce you guys to my friend, Rabia. He was one of the first persons that came across my mind when I was wanting to do this podcast, mainly because I love his view and take on the church, but also he's currently not working in church ministry as a vocational job, um, which I think is super important to get that perspective for these kind of conversations. But Rabia, kind of tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. Um, we've known each other for about five, six years, but you know, th- this may be their first time ever seeing you. So, yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Bobby. Uh, I definitely jumped at the opportunity to get yeah. to do this. This is like a lot of fun love getting to podcasts love having conversations with you yeah, i feel like our conversations always go too long and i feel like there's always points where we're like we should have probably been recording that so this will be great to actually we've been recording the whole time so we got <laughs> all of it all of it there, there we go there we go uh yeah so i guess background on you know talking conversations about the church uh i was raised in the church um my parents actually moved from uh we were in santa fe uh, in 94 and we moved here in 95 to be part of a church. So like that wow. was that big of a deal. Okay. Um, grew up in, uh, Eagle mountain international church, which is uh, associated with Kenneth Copeland ministries. And, uh, yeah, that ministry did so much for my parents and like growing them in their faith. Um, early on, both of my parents came from Catholic backgrounds. My dad's Lebanese, so Roman Catholic, um, Marinette Catholic background. And my mom, uh, was Catholic. She lived in Minnesota. Um, wow. so very different, but both grew up Catholic. Um, when they were, when they met, uh, and they were in Minnesota, again, given the brush strokes here, but it was about 86, uh, a guy in a coffee shop that my dad was working at started just witnessing and telling him about Jesus. And wow. he's like, well, I know about Jesus. Uh, and he's like, well, let me tell you about, yeah. And he was from a, um, I'm trying to remember what the, I mean, it's Pentecostal. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember the specific Pentecostal denomination. Uh, but that church is still up there. I was following them. I checked out on Facebook. They're still alive that's and so going. Cool. Uh, but so that's kind of where we went. So we went from, my parents went from Catholicism to more Pentecostal because just like it's a very different uh, flavor. Uh, we'll probably use that word a lot in this yeah, conversation. Makes a lot and, of sense. And uh, yeah, then they started following, you know, Kenneth Copeland was all over TV in the 80s and 90s. Sure um, was. <laughs> and so, yeah, had his message out there a lot, connected with my parents. I was raised in a great um, you know, two parent home. Uh, my parents divorced when I was 14. They both stopped going to church, but I mean, I was raised with memorizing scripture. I was in a, went to a, a private Christian school. Um, so we memorized scripture literally as part of a class. We had a Bible class. Yeah. Um, 
And so I had a really firm foundation, but like when my parents divorced, like I didn't have any desire to continue mm. with church at all. Like I was just like, and I was a 14 year old boy. I wanted to get a girlfriend and have sex. And that was where my focus was as a 14 year old. That that's all that I was thinking about. Um, yeah. Shocker. I know. Right? I mean, every boys. 14 year old boy probably would agree with your statement, whether they would say it out loud or not is, is a different thing, but yeah. 20 years later, I can say that. And, Correct. And look back. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, about, I mean, for about 10 years of my life, didn't walk with the Lord. Um, and yeah, didn't have any expression of my Christianity. So whatever you want to call that, if you want to call that, that I wasn't saved, I think I would for myself say, I probably was never transformed by Jesus gotcha. at that point. You know, okay. People can argue the theology of that. But uh, when I was 23, uh, I had friends that were... I was really disappointed with where my life was at 23. Graduated from college, didn't really have any direction, um, and had some friends that were Christians that were saying, you know, the main thing you need to do before any of this stuff is give your life to Jesus. And I was like, no, I know what that's about. That doesn't work. Uh, didn't work for my parents. Didn't work for me. Yeah. I'm not really interested. I started giving them all the, you know, atheistic, uh, you know, early Dawkins arguments like, well, what about <laughs> the Bible says this? What about this? This is like just like really low level, you know, thought I was smarter than everybody. And they, to their credit, because they were my friends, they listened and they yeah. heard me out and they're like, okay, well, mm. you know, that's still going to be my number one advice. Like we can still talk about what's going on in your life, but like, it's, yeah. you're not going to be able to do anything else unless you get your order of operations right, essentially. And that's the first thing you need to surrender your life to Jesus. And I was like, okay. So I started listening. Thankfully, uh, this is one of the things I think we're going to get to talk about, which will be fun. Um, but podcasts were still relatively new, but I was pretty early on the podcasting game. So like 2012, I was listening to podcasts all the time on iPad yeah. or iPods at the time. Not even a, yeah, true. No iPhone a classic at that time. or something probably. Yeah. 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 Um, and I thought because my, uh, iPod had you know a color screen, I thought I was like oh, yeah. really, really cool. Uh, but, uh, listen to some, some podcasts, a guy, his name is Stephen LeBlanc. He was the pastor of gateway young adults at that time he now pastors uh sherman bible church um cool so shout out to the sherman bible church there he's still go. preaching and doing awesome stuff but i mean through his preaching uh and through listening through reading the word of god like i really believe god transformed my heart and i was not open to accepting the gospel i was just trying to placate my friends who were saying like well actually yeah. look into this when's the last time you've done it and because i had taken you know research methods classes and in, in college and stuff i was like well it's actually been 10 years since i've really you know looked into this stuff so yeah. let me do it and god kind of just slipped in there and he had you know he had a plan going on a lot it's all he needed he needed that just little bit of tapping into your internal aspect of where like rabia he's a researcher he's a studier he's a learner I just need to tickle that that part of him just a little bit, and boom, that's so cool. Yeah, so I went from there, uh, was looking for a church. Um, mm -hmm. I went to um, a church that was called McKinney Bible Church at the time. Okay. It's now Doxology, if you know where that is, like yes. off of Hewlin. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, they were still doing construction on 30. They didn't even have, or excuse me, on Hewlin. They didn't have that mm -hmm. big... Uh, uh, they didn't have that big bridge that goes over 30 now. So there was like tons of traffic. It was hard to get there. Um, but it was a church that one of my friends went to. And yeah. so I would go with them and, uh, and it was really great. And early on in my faith, just like needing to like, I just need a f solid foundation in the word of God. I didn't have that at all. And just hearing it 
consistently preached and the gospel preached over and over again. So I was doing that on Sundays and then Gateway Young Adults on Tuesdays. And that was like what I thought being a Christian was, showing up to church. And now I'm not having sex with people outside of marriage. I'm not drinking as much anymore. I'm not like, you know, that's kind of what I thought it was. And then, you know, discipleship was a path, you know, from there of, of being sanctified and, and, you know, growing into the image of Christ is what I really think real discipleship and uh, what that looks like. And so, (laughs) yeah, so from there, um, I, you know, I worked at Chick-fil-A, worked at some other odd jobs here and there and wanted to, uh, I really wanted to give my life. I felt like the Lord had called me to pastor at some time in there. That's a Mm -hmm. longer story for a different day. But uh, I got, um, I started volunteering a lot at the church. So I actually went back to Eagle Mountain, um, the church that I grew up in, Um, still had a friend that I used to grow up, play basketball with him. Uh, shout out to Aaron Bennett. Like he's been my oh. oldest friend uh, since I was five years old and since we moved here. And wow. uh, yeah, so through connections, like if you notice, if you're noticing this, a lot of mm. where I went was just based on relational connections. It wasn't necessarily like this is, you know, these are the best preachers or this is the best worship or this is the best theology. Like I was just like, I just need friends. That was what it was. I went from a lifestyle of having a lot of friends. And then when, you know, when, God got a hold of me and I surrendered my life to Christ. I was like, yeah. well, any new friends that are going to actually do this with me. And so, uh, volunteered a ton. I was a young, single 24 year old man at, uh, at a church. And so I was volunteering for anything that they had. Yeah. You um, were the perfect example of, of what churches look for is, Oh, you, you don't have a family right now, but you're <laughs> able bodied. You're, you're strong. You're young. You're, you have time. Man, you're the and perfect a and a car <laughs> <Yep>. perfect combination. <laughs> that is literally like the sweet spot for volunteering in churches. Yeah, so it was everything from outreach yeah. to uh, working in the two-year-old's room one Sunday a, a month, uh, youth group uh, lock-ins. Like yep. I was still, you know, I'm about ten years older now, but I was still very like high energy. I was like, let's run around, let's <laughs> you know play dodgeball, let's do all this crazy stuff. Um, yeah. I drank soda through a sock um, in order to get the kids to donate food for the, the food bank. So there's, there's did a it lot work? of stuff. They did. They okay. brought, okay. in a couple of weeks, they brought like 300 cans uh, of, of food as youth group of 40 to 50 kids. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, got their parents. There were so many parents that were like, all my kid keeps talking about is bring a can of corn to church. <laughs> and so I was like, I you know, they, they wanted to see me shave my head. Uh, they wanted to see me. Uh, chug hot sauce. They wanted to see me, yeah, drink soda through a kid's football player's sock. Like, Ugh. did all the stuff, man. Had had a blast doing it. That's um, wild. That's so and crazy. And I think what you've seen a, probably a lot in your time that you've been a part of the church is if you do that, you show up, you're consistent, uh, you have a, a knowledge and grasp of the Word of God, and you want to be there, yeah. churches will figure out a way. If they're smart, they'll figure out a way. Hey, we, how do we pay this guy to continue? How do we pay this woman to continue to do what they're doing? And so uh, I got on through the young adults group. I was a ministry coordinator. I am not like very administratively gifted, yeah. uh, but the pastor, Donnie Petty, was like, hey man, uh, I wanna give you more. I wanna kind of mentor you and disciple you in what that looks like. He knew that uh, I had been volunteering in the young adults for about a year and a half at that point. Um, and uh, he knew that that was a call that God had on my life. And yeah. he saw it more as an opportunity. He's like, well, we can teach you what to do on a computer and how to yeah. set schedules <laughs> and do that stuff. But 
He's like, you know, I, I do see that gifting in you. You have a relational gift. And he goes, that's something I can't teach. And so I just want that's you good. on the team. I want to hire you in here. How can we, how can we do that? And, uh, I wasn't making very much at Chick-fil-A, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't hard to get me there. And, uh, yeah. I thought, I thought I had arrived, man. I was on staff at a church. I'm like, yeah. I'm getting paid full time to be at a church. Like what's better than that? I really was like, this is the pinnacle of being a Christian. And I was like, mm. even more than that, once I get on the stage, then, oh man, then I'm going to be a superstar. And, you know, soon I'll be, you know, having 40 million views on my YouTube channel and all this kind of stuff. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah. that's a normal thought process though. Like that's the crazy part is like when, when you're a Christian and you grow up and you can kind of see like God's placed a calling on your life, you automatically assume it to be great. I'm going to be known. I'm going to be recognized in this church space, in this world. Um, when in reality, like your calling may just be. <laughs> serving your local like zip code um yep. and like be at working at you know a chick-fil-a or working at ace hardware or like and that's your calling but the second you feel like you have a calling from the lord it's like oh man ministry working in a church getting paid by a church that is like the dream right and so many people get lost in in that aspect and search for that and long for it when in reality like I think you and I both know now, like neither of us are on and on a physical church staff that that's it's it's skewed. It's it it's a beautiful thing in so many ways, but also it's like one of the toughest things in the world as well. Um, because there is a lot of extra outside factors that play into church world, church business and church polity even. And so but that is that's a huge thing like that you were able to realize it, think that um, just because I would say a, a ton of people agree with you. Like, oh, I'm a Christian. I love this. God's put this on my life. Cool. Next, I need to get on staff. Oh, I'm on stage. Now I'm the next Michael Todd. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's not the trajectory route of everybody. And so it's, it's cool that you also kind of experienced that. I did as well. I was like, boom, I'm on a church staff. Like, right. Yeah. I'm done. Like, yeah. this is what I do the rest of my life. Yep. Here it is. And man, how wrong I was. <laughs> it, it was so wild, man. I mean, I could I could tell a million stories at the time that I was there, but it was it was great, man. I, I really enjoyed we certainly didn't do things perfectly, but I yeah. I still have a relationship with Donnie to this day from you know that that was twenty fourteen, I think I met him in twenty fifteen, came on staff. Um, wow. and so yeah, he still is, you know, a big brother, a discipler to me. Um, and so that that has been honestly the best part of all of that was like yeah. being able to take a lifelong relationship. He married my wife and I, I mean, we worked for the church, you know, so we could have asked the senior pastor to do it. But yeah. again, I was in a deeper relationship with Donnie and, and I was like, man, he knows, he knows the ins and outs of my hearts. I've shared, you know, I've shared my sin struggles with him. I've shared when I thought I was like, dang, this girl is cute. I think I want to start talking to like, so he yeah. knew the insides and out of it. And, uh, so that part's been really cool. Again, uh, making a longer story short, we moved to Dallas. Uh, part of that's when I met you was uh, being yeah. part of Initiative, um, a nonprofit that was, you know, seeking to unify the church body, specifically among like young adults and millennials um, here in Dallas. And yep. was super excited about that. Started going to Upper Room um, there in Dallas. We we visited probably five churches while we were there, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that we wanted a church in Dallas. We were going to live in Dallas. We, there were options to still be here in Fort Worth. That's where we grew up was in Fort Worth. My wife and I both grew up here. Um, and 
uh, yeah, we just felt like, you know, wherever you are, whatever city you're in, that's where you need to be giving your life to. Yeah. So that's just a personal conviction of ours. It's not like, don't ask me about good how conviction. far, 11 yeah. miles, seven yeah. miles. Like, I don't know, whatever point you believe that you are operating in you know, a local church, uh, yeah. that was important for us. So we went to some churches. I mean, I, I could name them or not, but yeah. like, and we didn't, we didn't have any negative experiences. Like we were only going for like a two weeks, a week here and yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Um, love them. But when we went, we went into upper room and there was something about, uh, just the way that they did things there. Um, there was a line that was said that really shook like my understanding of church, but, uh, the senior pastor, Michael Miller, uh, said, he's like, this service is not about the loss and it's not about believers in here. He's like, this service is about him. And I was like, wow, wait a minute. I guess that is true. Like, but yeah. all of all of my training, quote unquote, all of my church statistics, all of my Barna research, all of it was about like, okay, how do we equip saints or how do we reach the lost? But like, I didn't see research about like, okay, how do we worship God better in this corporate gathering? And wow. so that was like, that was mind blowing. I mean, I looked at my wife when we walked out and I was like, I don't know a hundred percent, but like, that is what I want. Like, I want to know what that is about. What is this yeah. idea of having a corporate gathering that is specifically focused on God alone and the rest will work itself out? Uh, yeah, that was, it shook a paradigm for me, for sure. I remember being mm. on staff and I remember us talking about young adults. Well, what do we do here with programming? What do we do with preaching? What do we do with worship? Do we gear it toward lost people that we want to be here that are non-Christians that are coming in? Um, mm. Or do we gear it toward equipping saints? You know, how do, which one do we do? And it was like we had to, there was a, a kind of a struggle between um, the three of us that were on staff and then even the volunteer leaders. And, and those that it tended to be, those that were part of church longer tended to want and seek out, well, we need to be equipped so that we can go out and do the work of the ministry versus those of us that I felt like had not been Christians as long we're saying, well, the important part is to bring the lost in mm -hmm. and then shepherd them and then walk them through discipleship and then send them out. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I'm going to throw a question at you quickly. But oh, like go how, for uh, it. Turn the tables on you here. Okay. Oh, how the turn tables, Michael Scott. Yes, there it is. <laughs> uh, if you were going to look at that dichotomy, whether it's – or how, how has that played out for you? Mm. If, have you ever heard – that idea of, well, we have to focus on the lost or we have to focus on our sheep, right? We have to focus on equipping our saints or the lost, or is it about God? Is it about lifting him up? Like what, mm. what has that looked like for you in your own experience? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that most churches, that is the two questions, right? And, you know, in reality, there's no other even like real third option. Like those, those are the two situations. And that's where churches really get trapped into either pleasing their their sheep and their flock or they're then you know seeker seeker friendly and yeah. you know oh, yeah. both of them have negatives and both of them have positives right but like you get labeled as one or the other you do um and i would say that there's probably tons of churches out there that do both really really well but even them they're like they're getting categorized as one or the other um but honestly i think for me i was always drawn to the aspect of reaching the lost personally, yeah. just because of my background, grew up Mormon, I was lost. There was nothing in my life at that time that I would have 
like been able to be introduced to church if no one reached out to me. Mm -hmm. Like if all the churches in the world were focused on building and equipping their saints, like then I wouldn't be a Christian today, Mm -hmm. you know? So like there's, there's a heart draw there obviously that I don't know if it necessarily makes me biased towards it a little bit, but like now even live with what we're doing with hashtag church. Like one of the main things we're doing is resource and equipping churches and Christians. Like that is a big thing that we're trying to do. Um, but it's, we're trying to do that for the sake of them being able to reach the lost better. Yeah. Right. Like we want to make heaven crowded. We want people in the kingdom tomorrow that weren't in there today. Yeah. And with that, you know, in some ways it's, it's gotta be a both and, but you almost have to pick a focus to then impact the the different thing that you're needing to do. But it's mm. it's a tough question that every single church has to kind of navigate, whether it's a season thing or whether it is, um, like, ingrained into who they are as a church. Like, we are out to seek the lost only. Like, we are not, you know, developing, equipping. We're not giving you, you know, discipleship programs. We are out there to get lost people in the door for the first time. Okay, cool. That's one group's mindset. The other one is... Hey, you know what? We have some amazing people in this church and they've been Christians for a while or even some of them shorter than others, but we want to build up and equip them to be able to walk out and live like Christ every single day. Both of those things are amazing situations, yeah. Yeah. but it's that that struggle exists even like in my work with churches on media aspect like mm. those are the questions that are asked. Hey, are we running ads for non-Christians in the area or Hey, are we going to build up and equip our our church body with work? You know, um, what's the word? Um, not work courses, but essentially like workshops. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Workshops and courses, and you know, is that what we're doing? And man, it's just so wild. And I feel like in a lot of ways, like it just gets lost in like what the heart of it is, which leads me to my segue, which is one of my main questions I ask everybody: is like, what is your definition of church? Because in a lot of ways, like, this kind of applies in, in somewhat. So, like, what is your personal definition of, of the church? Yeah, I think uh, this is a, like, I'm going to use some Christianese here. Right? Go for um, it. But Big C Church, right? Yep. Have you ever heard that? Like, it's like yep. capital C. Yep. Uh, capital C Church is, uh, if you're looking at, like, the Apostles' Creed, it's when it says the, uni- well, it says the Catholic Church, one yeah. holy Catholic Church. I think we in the West typically think Catholic, so we think one expression of Christianity. And I, the original like meaning of the word Catholic in that sense meant, you know, the Christians that have been, the Christians that are, and the Christians that will be. Mm. And so in this universal, you know, all together at one time, that's what I would call the big C church. Just Christians gotcha. that have lived in the past. And Christians being the, the people of God is probably a better okay. term. So the people of God would include Moses, who right didn't have the opportunity to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior yeah. uh, while he was here, but he was part of the people of God. And so yes. uh, yeah. that's what I would say for Big C, for uh, if, the, if that's what you're asking. If you're more asking, like, what does the local gathering look like, or what is the what are the, some of the... Both and or, or neither. I'm, I'm down for all of them. Yeah. So that's that's what I would say. If somebody's saying, like, well, what, what should church be? Typically, and, and most people, when they think church, they think you know, the steeple, right? Mm-hmm. Four walls, the steeple, stained glass, and you go in there, you sing some songs, you pray, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, it's just the boringest thing that you've ever been to. Yeah. Or, you know, now there are so many expressions that are essentially, you know, um, 
concerts, right? There's lasers and lights and smoke. And you're like, where am I? Like, am I in the club or am I, uh, yeah, am I in the club or am I at a church right now? Um, <laughs> yeah. Or something in between. Or there's these weird, like, you know, there's a room that's, you know, 2,000 square feet, but, you know, they have uh, lights that should be lighting up, you know, a, a 55,000 seat arena. And you're yep. like, whoa, guys, somebody in here made, made a call of these lights. Yeah. And these are uh, burning my retinas here yeah. in the back row. Uh, but if, if it's local church, uh, I just think it's the gathering of the people of God. And okay. uh, so I think there are corporate grouping uh, meetings. And I think that's what typically people think of when they think church. Um, and yeah, and what I would say probably lines up more with, uh, you know, what a, uh, yeah, what, what a Michael Miller would say, what is the purpose of that corporate gathering? It's mm -hmm. to worship God, right? So the people mm -hmm. of Israel, when they, the reason that they came out of Egypt was so that they had freedom to worship God, not just freedom yes. for freedom's sake, not yeah. just freedom to go and get a, a holy land. Yes, that was included, but the main thing was the freedom to worship their God. And so I think for the people of God, for all of time, when we come together on a Saturday or Sunday, right in the West, it's mostly a, a Sunday yeah. that we're meeting. Uh, if we're doing that, I think the main focus should be how do we glorify God in this and how do we do how do we do those other things? And in glorifying yeah. God, in lifting God up, we will equip saints and we will also reach the lost through that. Um, but I think yeah, that's great. Hopefully that answers definition. Definitions are tough because you can, you can just Google definition of church and you'll find 50 different ministers and you'll yep. find definitions from, yeah, a thousand years ago, five minutes ago, somebody on Twitter is defining what the church is, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one reason why I want to ask it, right, is because there are so many definitions out there. There are so many people speaking into this, these spaces, right? Like I am intrigued to know, and that it's one of the things that I love seeing and hearing is how people describe the one of the most beautiful things in the world, which is the Bride of Christ, which is the church, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like so there's, you know, there's so many different ways that, yes, like it's yes to this, yes to this, yes to this. Um, that one, maybe whatever. No, but like there's so many different expressions and it's in it. Honestly, it's really cool to see how God has essentially laid it out for different people in a different way. And I think that one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to have this is because I caught myself having conversations with people and their definition and expression of church was the most beautiful, eloquent way that they explained it for them. Mm. And then it was the most beautiful way and explained it for somebody else. And then, and I was like, man, like I want to just talk about church, what that means, what that is, um, how it's good, how it's bad. Um, you know, in, in all of those things from different perspectives and different people, because I, you know, I, I have a lot of different friends in, in different circles of church and people that aren't in church, different religions, all of that stuff. And, and every single person has a different definition, not necessarily because they contradict, but different definition of how they're able to be expressed through that individual. So that's one of the main reasons why I even ask it is because it's, it's really cool to see how everybody takes time and, and dissects that definition. But of course, yeah, like they can Google it. Um, yeah. but I mean, in reality, I would much rather, you know, talk to people about it and have that conversation with them. I like that. I mean, it's such a, it is, 
in it being such a broad question, you find out what that person really values about that definition. So yeah, 100%. That's really cool. That's cool. Yeah. There, it's honestly Taking some notes here. Oh my gotta, goodness. Gotta ask questions. <laughs> There's so many things that like, uh, like personality questions and things like that. Like what type of animal, you know, do you relate with or whatever? And like, based off of those questions, you Who's find out a lot zoo? about people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And this, I find out a lot about their walk, about where, where they even are in their walk in that moment, right? Like, because in reality, for me, church is probably the definition of church has changed hundreds of times, maybe. Well, yeah. Like, it, it's insane. Because honestly, I'll come across something and, or I'll see, I'll listen, I'll hear um, a way that somebody describes something and it can radically shift and change how I view church, how I view Christians, how I view Christian dumb as a whole. Like, and it's really cool to just, this ever changing almost pottery wheel of mm. of what we believe this church is and like if i just place my thumb slightly there well the shape of that church is now completely different or i take it back or add more water put more clay like there's so many things as i grow deeper in my faith and studying the word of god like the what the final piece is going to be will never be final until you know i'm in heaven you know having conversations um, with Jesus on Church Conversation yeah. podcast, um, <laughs> best guess ever. I, we probably won't need to have microphones. It just <laughs> automatically is applied up into the cloud, um, literally the cloud. Um, <laughs> pun intended. Hundred <laughs> percent pun intended. Um, well, another one, another question I would love to ask is for you, because your dad um, and a husband, obviously, um, what does the importance of church have for raising, developing, you know, fostering your family, shepherding your family. Well, um, cause as you know, you know this, but I, I believe that, you know, we are supposed to shepherd our households and, and all of those things, you know, be the, uh, person that is pouring and, and re- being responsible, you know, spiritually for my household and my family. Right. So what, what does church play in, in regards to that? Also, um, you know, is it something that is more fluid? Obviously, like with COVID and stuff, I think every every aspect and image of church changed. Um, for us, like, you know, we were I was still working in, in a bunch of church world, so I was up there doing stuff, but right. Becca was staying home. She got to be poured in um from, you know, different pastors all across the country for right. really kind of the first time. Yeah. And then you know, now COVID's out of it. And then it's like, it's a really easy excuse to be able to, you know what, I'm going to stay home. Like, you know, oh, the kid's sick, which that's totally legitimate reason to stay home. But, you know, kid's sick. Oh, cool. I'm just going to watch online or whatever. Like, how does that work and look like for you and your personal household of, hey, church is this and it's important to us as a family. Like we've set those standards at the beginning, but you know, what that looks like now and like how you're trying to raise your child and your children like in the future. Yeah. I, I'm going to rewind a little bit and Go tell myself. It. Go it. So when I was young, single 24 year old, I judged the parents that would have kids in these youth groups that wouldn't show up to these events. We'd have an outreach event and yep. there would be like, you know, less than 5% of the congregation would show up. We'd have a, we'd be decorating uh, the youth room for Christmas or whatever, like two people would show up. I'd be yeah. one of two people. And I'm like, 
I'm paid uh, to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. This is when oh, I was oh, before. Sorry, yeah. rewinding all the way back when I'm young, single, oh. not on church staff, oh, gotcha. just a volunteer. Yes. And so I was very, I was, I would even say, I would, I think I was bitter toward the people that weren't showing up to these things. Wow. And it was because my perspective was such that, well, why don't they get, you know, okay, they have kids, like they can show up. What do they have going on? And now as a dad, and I'm, I'm only dad of one kid, right? Yeah. And so you find out like having one kid changes your life. But when you have two, I have a couple of different friends, really close friends that have two and three. And I'm like, man, what they are describing, that is like a whole different level of the game, man. I am, you know, I'm at UNC right now. Those guys are playing for, you know, the Bucks and the Mavericks. Like yep. it's a whole different league yes. when you have multiples. Uh, you know that. Uh, I do. And so what I found out was that to, more to answer the question, I found out, man, you know, it's unrealistic to expect everybody to be at everything. So mm. where does the responsibility for that lie? That lies responsibility for us is, you know, you talked about the father, right? Yep. Be, be present, provider, prophet, pastor, priest, whatever, all the other P's that Dr. Tony Evans came up with yeah. to, to describe what we should be as men. There uh, you go. And, but our main priority has to be our family. And mm -hmm. so church is a big part of that. Uh, I want to be clear, like most of what you're going to hear me say, number one, I'm going to be speaking generally, right? I'm, and I'm yeah. going to be speaking my, from my perspective, like you asked. Of course. But I'm also very pro church. Like if we're going to, if we have to get on sides or whatever that looks like, uh, I do have some critiques and I, I think those are important to, uh, to go into, but my, the spirit behind even the critiques that I have are going to be, man, I see what the church is doing. I see it is the bride of Christ. I love the church. I want to be part of the church. I, I value that for my family and it's, it is, it's integral to mm -hmm. our discipleship and our raising of our son without the local church we could not disciple our son in the way that he needs. I couldn't yeah. grow as a Christian. I couldn't grow as a husband or a father uh, if I was not connected to a local church. It would be, I'll say this, it would be impossible. I know that people can, you're right, you can join church home and see Judah Smith every week. And, mm -hmm. and again, we are, we are resourced with the ability to see more sermons and more worship experiences than ever before. Yep. The, the audio quality on these worship experiences now is almost like you're just about there. If you have a good yep. enough TV and the audio equipment on the recording and the guy actually, or, or woman in the booth knows what they're doing, you can just about feel like you're there. You got surround sound oh, yeah. in, your, in your house and you're feeling like, You step man. too close to your TV, so that's the only thing you feel the view, man. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, Ritter, <laughs> Jeremy Riddle is right there. Oh my gosh, he's right in my living room, right? Yeah. Um, upper room is right in my living room. And so uh, I think there are times that that is really beneficial. And the responsibility then comes on what we started with on this rant that I'm on. The responsibility <laughs> is on you and I as fathers and, and on our, our wives as as mothers to decide, okay, is the reason why we're not attending church today, is it valid or is it not valid? Because yeah. the, the, the example that we set for our kids is going to be the example that they follow. Yep. It's, I mean, that's hopefully, or, or we're not doing our job, but exactly. if, if yeah. we go and eh, we stayed out till 1130 last night, you know, having dinner at on the border and had too many, you know, chips and salsa. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to get there to my 10 a.m church service. I mean, you would never use that excuse for your job. You would never no. use that excuse. If I was going to have breakfast with you, I wouldn't go. I'm just going to skip having breakfast with coffee with coffee. I'm going to skip having coffee with Bobby this morning yeah. because I had too many chips and salsa last night. I would get my butt up and I would get to where I wanted to go. And, yeah. uh, so I think, I think there is a correction 
for those that would be maybe too slack and maybe just like, eh, it's whatever. I also think there would be a correction for those that are too harsh on, we don't need any online church. Uh, yeah. There are certain people that really do need it uh, and have been greatly, greatly benefited from a lot of that that we've done. Uh, and we are making it important for my son mm-hmm. that this is an integral part of your life. And, and to be a Christian, to be part of the people of God is to be connected to the local church. That's huge. And honestly, you you answered my next question just right there at the <laughs> end, which is, was that how that dynamic of you have this pastoral calling, you've worked in church ministry before, like in vocational ministry, you know, with your, your new, you know, life stage of where you're volunteering at your church. Is there, is that hard? Is that good? But I mean, you kind of answered that. It's like, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing right now during this time. And, you know, God's blessing it and you're enjoying it. And, you know, eventually if, if it changes and goes anywhere else, great, cool. But, you know, right now, like that's where your sweet spot is of where God's, you know, working with you right now. So that's great. You answer that. Um, But I would say last question here is probably the, where and what should people that um, are kind of on the fence about this whole church thing, what what aspects and help can you kind of give them in regards to the value and importance of church for not just necessarily like their spirituality, right? Like it's not just, you know, hey, go to church so you can be around, you know, like-minded believer. Like what what's the thing of where it's like church – plays this role and unique impact of, you know, teaching, training, but then also like development and discipleship, which we, that's how we, I mean, even got knowing each other is through discipleship ministry kind of a system. And so with that, like what and how does all that play together for someone that is either a Christian struggling with what the aspect of church is, you know, even what, if you wanted to touch into deconstruction even is and looks like, like there, it's such a unique, fragile time right now for the church. The church is never going to fail. The gates of hell will never prevail it. Right. Yep. But essentially like what, what is some of that stuff of where it's like, Hey, if you, if you have any doubts about, you know, what this is like the gathering of believers and, you know, being, being equipped and trained, like what, what would be some advice that you ha- would have for people like that? Yeah. I think, one of the things that I've noticed, whether it's people in deconstruction, whether it's you know folks that are following the new evangelicals as mm-hmm. though that is their Billy Graham, um, whether they do love the church, but life is all right, now I have five kids. How do I get to church? How do yeah. I prioritize this? I do believe in this uh, to everybody from everybody in between, I think. And, and you're right. COVID has showed this. Uh, there's the example I'm thinking of is in have you, if you watch Breaking Bad. I watched maybe an episode or two, but yeah. So it doesn't matter. But yeah. there's a scene in Breaking Bad where the the main character, Walter White, is a chemist and he's breaking down what makes up a human molecule. Mm. And they've like they've done all the percentages and it's only adding up to like ninety nine point eight. And they ask, Well, what's what else is missing? And uh his you know, Walter White's girlfriend at the time says, Well, what about the soul? And he kinda laughs at that. But what I think people have done, I bring up that example, is I think people have tried to formula, like come up with a formula for what is church. Wow. And then you're you're adding up, but it's only 99.8%. Yeah. 
It's like, because if not, then why don't I just a la carte, right? Like, why yep. don't I, why don't I DoorDash a Chick Fil A chicken sandwich to me, but uh, uh, Whataburger fries, and then you know I can get a watermelon tea from my favorite wing place. Yeah. Why don't I just do that? If what I'm just trying to do is get a meal to my house, I guess I could send out three people and and do it that way. Yeah. Or what it looks like for churches, maybe I listen to Dr. Tony Evans this this week. Maybe I listen to Matt Chandler next week. Maybe I listen to John Piper. Maybe I listen to um, a a Greek Orthodox priest preach the next week. And wow, look, I have such a well-rounded faith. Because yeah. while I'm listening to sermons, I have, you know, more worship music through Spotify. I pay $14 a month for my wife and I, and I have more worship music than I'll ever be able to listen to in my whole life if I never listen to the same song twice. Yeah. And there's more music coming out all the time. All the time. It used to just be essentially Hillsong and Bethel, and they were kind of killing the game. And then all of a sudden there's there's worship mo- movements that are all over the place that if that is just phenomenal phenomenal worship and so yeah. it's like okay i want to worship god i want to hear some preaching uh and i mean what else am i going to do like i don't i volunteer right i volunteer with uh i volunteer in a different place i can you know volunteer at the at the the food bank at tarrant area uh food bank so what else do i need to do as a christian i can pray yeah. here in my house i can do that and i think what the part that is missing in that is Shortly, I think the part that's missing in that is Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, he says to strive eagerly for unity. Mm. And so if we do all of our different things separately, if we a la carte out our, our local church experience, I think we miss the value of having to be in relationship with other people who believe almost about the same as us, but are different than us, that yeah. are different racially, but not just racially, that are maybe the exact same race as us, but they're different in their political leanings. They're different in the way that they choose to raise their kids. They're different in the way that all of the differences that we have as human beings, they're taller than us, shorter than us, they're louder than us, they're quieter than us, they're more expressive, they're less expressive. They think mm. these parts of church are really important. I think these parts of church are really important. Yeah. And you know what? It is easier to just tap out from all of that and me just listen to Robert Morris and have elevation worship this week and just sit in my, on my couch with my wife. And then when that's over, I can flip over to Paramount and I can put on Paw Patrol for my son, or I can put on the football game for myself. Yep. That's easier, but that striving together for the unity of the body of Christ is missing if I just a la carte mm. all of that out. And so for whatever, any, I guess any correction to that would be to anybody take that as you will. And again, I'm, I'm one guy. Yeah. That's what I, but that is why I want to be part of a local body on a Sunday morning and Mm. why I get my butt out of, I mean, I, there are times Bobby, I'm, so I work as a private driver and there are times that I'll work till 4am on a, uh, from Sunday into, into from Saturday night into Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. but I will still value being there at church on Sunday with my wife and, and take my son because uh, that's a, that's a value that I do not want us to lose. And that striving together for unity with these people that are different than us. And we're in a, we're in a charismatic church. Mm -hmm. And I would say where I am right now is that that is not the best way that I receive the word of God is through a charismatic expression. But you know what? The cool thing about that is I get to be stretched every week and I get to be, Mm challenged together with a group of people and I get to still say 
we serve one Lord, one faith, one baptism together. So I said a lot there, but yeah. I, I think there that essential element of striving together for unity is lost if we do not make uh, a Sunday gathering a or Saturday, whatever gathering, yeah. a corporate gathering together of a body of believers. That can be thousands at a watermark church. That can be seven people together in a home. As yep. long as the gathering is for for the Lord and is together with his people, I'm like, man, God bless you. I, uh, Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, that's exactly what I was looking for from you is because I knew – I knew how important it was to you. Like you make those decisions, you know, every single week, like driving till 4 a.m. <laughs> to then turn around and go to church at, you know, probably a 9, 10 a.m. service. Yeah, it's 9 like, a.m. service. Yeah. yeah. It's like, man, it that that aspect of, you know what, this is important. This is what it values because it is that aspect of unity and striving towards being unified as one body, like, you know, locally through this one expression of, this one name church, right? But at the same time, that that expression of the unity gathering is happening all over the city yes. and uh, happening all over then the, you know, Metroplex, and then it's happening all over the states, all over the nation. Like, it's such a beautiful thing of, of being and seeing all the connectedness. Um, and I am a big proponent of, you know, online church and things like that. I think there's people that you're going to be able to reach that you would never be able to reach Absolutely. Um, without it. But also at the same time, it's like, man, if you can find yourself a body of believers around you that are uplifting you when you're having bad days, they're, you know, right there with you, right next to you, like being, you know, the hand, literally the hands and feet of Jesus speaking truth over you, praying over you. Like those things happen when you're in a body. Yes. Um, and, it's it's just so cool to be able to see and hear you know your examples as well but man like like i said that was you know beautiful it's it's always so encouraging after the at the end of these conversations to be able to see how one the church has been expressed in you and in your life and your background but then how you're currently active actively being in it but then also like where you you know want and encourage others to be in it as well it's so so cool and so beautiful because it's just so unique. It's almost a thumbprint of every single person. I, I want to throw something to Go. you because you, you asked me these questions and I, I was, I'm kind of prepared. You can leave this in. Kind of not. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I, like to, I like to catch you on the fly. I oh, like to catch everybody on the fly. Let's do it. Yeah. So one of the conversations I wanted to hopefully have with you was what's the church doing well? What could the church be yeah. improving on? Um, I, yeah. I – I think some of the things that the church is doing well is what, I mean, one of the things, and this isn't sucking up to you. This is, this is the church is resourcing its people in a way now with mm. all those a la carte things that I'm talking about. If somebody is on hospice, if somebody is at home, if somebody is ill, sick, COVID, they have some disease that's keeping them at home. They have yeah. something that's keeping them away. Um, somebody's in a car accident. So all of this kind of stuff, I can stream it on my laptop from, and, and I can be part of the body in the way that I can. Yeah. Uh, in the way that, you know, when there's a, uh, if you're at a ball game and they introduce a veteran and they say, you know, and, and everybody's standing up to honor this veteran. Well, if you literally can't stand up, that doesn't mean you're giving them less honor, but if Correct. you can stand up, 
get your butt out of the chair. Like, yeah. I, I, even if it's hard, even if it's like, oh, I got to squeeze back into this stupid yeah, little your back pops 7,000 times, yeah, the at, whole thing. Yeah. Exactly. But it's like, if you're able, do it. If you're not able, well, then I'm not talking to you. I'm not yeah. telling people that have a debilitating illness. You better get your tr- butt to church on Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. That's yeah. not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to those that are making the decision for other things. And so I think the resources are being able to help people that are marginalized and in those different communities that can't uh, meet together. And I think they're doing that really well. I think Mm -hmm. the video quality, I mean, again, you can listen to more sermons now. We have more access to the scriptures. We have more access to, uh, to worship. I mean, there's churches all over the world that just play other churches that have a lot of more resources, their worship as part of their worship experience. And then you know what they get to do? They get to focus on taking care of their local body and not putting resources to, you know, people that maybe they just don't like to sing out loud in front of people, or maybe they're not very good at it. And again, and Elevation Church can do a great job of a worship experience. Uh, Life Church can do a great job of worship experience, and we can put our time, effort, and energy towards serving the local needs of this this body. And so 100%. I think the church I think the church has done that really well. I think in the American church we've provided for the needs of the poor in ways that probably even when people are like, "Wait, we have?" It's like, mm. well, comparatively to the rest of the world, yeah. And compared to any other movements in any other time and 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 space in history, uh the church has provided healthcare. That's why we have every hospital here is a St. Peter, St. Jude, St. Yeah. Paul, St. Somebody. Uh, <laughs> and so Christianity as a whole has provided healthcare, has provided education, even though I think a lot of, you know, people maybe, uh, I won't name these groups of people, but a lot of groups of people would say, well, the church is actually doing the opposite of that. It's like, well, the only reason you have a hospital is because Christians were willing yeah. to do that. And so I think there's room to grow, but I think those are some of the things that the church is doing really well. Yeah. Uh, Barna just came out with some research. I think Scott Sauls uh, shared it maybe a couple of months ago that said that Christians still, evangelical Christians, mm-hmm. who are the bad, were the big bad guys. I'm I am an evangelical Christian. Yeah, I'm willing to yeah, own I'm that like, title, yeah. even though that's a it's a malign title. It's a it's a tough title. Yeah. It carries a lot of baggage with it, but. I'm going to use the, I'm not going to just throw away the title because I don't like other people that are associated with it. Correct. Um, but like I, those other people aren't us. Like those other people, you know, they may have had similar backgrounds or even similar education for some people even. Um, just because people go to a certain school or don't, like that doesn't mean every human that has ever walked and graced the presence of that school is tainted or whatever. Like it's, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't do that for any other group. You wouldn't Correct. say all people that go to UTA Arlington are blank because one guy did this or one woman did Correct. this or yeah. certain people that come out of it are or, or there's a lot of engineers. So I guess anybody yeah. that goes to UTA You're an engineer. must be an engineer. Yeah, it's like, no. no, not really, but Correct. I can still own the title. And just because there's a lot of engineers, I don't say I didn't go to UNT or I didn't go to UTA. So yeah. uh, that's as evangelical. The, the, the stat I was trying to quote was they, that what uh, Barna has shown is that Christians still give percentage-wise more than the just the typical average Christian. They give more yep. than non-Christian. They give more than people who would say they have no religious affiliation. And so, even while we're while we are taking some shots, and there are definitely some some areas to improve on. Yeah, we are doing, and we have to be willing to celebrate. You know what? The church is doing certain things really well. And if we don't do that, and if we're not willing to admit that, then I don't really want to hear your critique. If you're not willing to say, 
you know what, there are certain things in the same in the same way that this goes into politics. If somebody is willing to say, I'm not willing to say anything nice about the other side, I'm not even willing to look at the perspective of the Democrats. I'm not even willing to look at the perspective of the Republicans. I don't really want to hear your opinion then. Yeah, that's just me. I'm like, I, there's enough people out there that are just parroting uh, opinions. And so for me, I have critiques of the church. I think there are things that we as the, the big C American westernized church could be doing better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I want to celebrate the things that we're doing really well 100%. and be very thankful and grateful to God that we do live in a time that, yeah, I mean, I can pull up, I can pull up 40 versions of scripture. Like I can pull up scripture yeah. in different languages More than that. Yeah. At the drop of a dime. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's incredible through one app. I can look at you know, 40 different translations, right? I can look at ESV, NLT, NASB. I can look at Spanish Bible. I can look at all these different languages. And I'm, I am very thankful to the Lord for doing his work, but for the people that have done the hard work of getting us to this place. And, and, and again, for people like you who are providing worship experiences, who are providing resources that are helping discipleship and Mm -hmm. coming alongside discipleship and helping those, I think the main deep practices of Christian faith and growing, uh, I think I think we are more resourced and more available. And I think we will be much more like the person with five talents that the Lord is expecting a five talent return mm. because of what he has given us. That's good. We have so much. We should be expected to to be producing those five talents that the Lord has given to us. So Yeah. And, and okay, so on the back end of that, right, like we are doing some, you know, great things, Christendom, right? Um, and also, I just want to add in there as well, like adoption and care for like widows. Like, yeah, the church is the main number one, like numbers wise, without like any other kind of argument in comparison. If you are a Christian, like the chance of you adopting a child that is, you know, an orphan in the system is exponentially larger than anybody else. You know, it's it's stupid insane. And, care, you know, all of that kind of stuff. There's amazing things that we're doing that, one, we were called to do yep. biblically, which I think is impressive and important because, oh, like, hey, this was an instruction of us. Oh, hey, we yep. should care about this probably. Well, well, we're caring for it. And, of course, there's we could be improving and doing better. And I would say there's a lot of people on that path to make that happen, to be better and to you know, make those systems better, all of those things. But what is some of the, you know, not necessarily the negatives or the downsides, but what's some areas that the church can improve on um, that you recognize from either your role, your experience, all that? Yeah. Well, when I look at church, I'm comparing it to Acts 2.42 through 47, um, when after the, the sermon that Peter gives, there isn't, there is a follow-up for what to do with all these people who are new, who are newly part of the people of God. They, mm. They're baptized as uh, this 3000 people in one day. That's really interesting. Cause there's no like major bodies of water in Jerusalem. So, I mean, were they just dunking them in bathtubs? I don't know how they were doing it, but <laughs> people were baptized. And then uh, I, I won't, I won't quote it here, but look it up. If you're, if you're really interested in what it looks like, I think 
42-47 is a great place to start and to look at what was the local church doing, right? Mm. They were meeting in homes. They were meeting together. Um, they were, they were uh, providing for the needs of the people that were there, the physical, financial needs of the people that were a yeah. part of their community. Uh, they were radically multi-ethnic. They were radically, they were uh, empowering women in ways that the rest of the world didn't know. Um, and they were unified in a way that did not make sense and proved that Jesus was Lord and that even though Caesar had come to a point of unity for the Roman government, they were the Roman people were never a united Roman people other mm. than essentially the people that lived in Rome. But the people yeah. that lived in Rome had nothing to do with the people that were living in Jerusalem. But the Christians that lived in Rome had way more to do with the Christians that were living in Jerusalem. And that unity yep. was one of the major things. And I think, you know, uh, I've heard N.T. Wright say this. If Paul came today and saw our churches, I think he would have a lot of good things to say. I think he would also be shocked at the level of like disunity with all of these resources and with that. And he would mm. say, you're separating and you're not worshiping together over this. Like I, I, as a Christian, like if I start going down all the denominations and I say, okay, uh, just big denominations, like not yeah. even smaller ones, but yeah. I say Baptist, Presbyterian, Anglican, uh, Episcopal, um, uh, charismatic, uh, Pentecostal holiness, uh, all of these different things that, that we could just go on non-denominational and yeah. all of the non-denominational <laughs> whatever's congregationalist yeah. versus elder led, like all of these different things. I just think, I think they're important and I think we should have important views of them, but man, for us to like not be together for us yeah. not to be doing the acts two, uh, 42 through 47 work together, mm. I think would break, I think it would break Paul's heart. I think it would break Jesus' heart. I think that that disunity that we feel, we still have a lot of work to do mm. on that. I will also say there in the same way that, you know, the reason why my um, in-laws church meets together is because there's a language barrier there because yeah. they would receive the word of God better in their native tongue in Spanish. And so 100%. there are needs. I want to make that clear. There are certain yeah. people that are like radical unity. Yeah. It's like put everybody in the same room and do it. It's like, We're well, all the church of Fort Worth. We're all the church of Arlington. No, like there yeah. are reasons there are separations that are not necessarily just based off of preference. Right. Yeah. That's the big thing. So it's, if this, is this a preference or is this a necessity? Yeah. What's necessary for my uncle who, or my, my, uh, my wife's uncle. Yeah. What's necessary for him is to hear the word of God in Spanish. That is yeah. how he grows as a human being. He can, he can do it. He can stretch, but trust me when I'm in that, in that Spanish service, that can't be my only expression of what church looks like because I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. You know, 75% of the time I'm picking yeah. up every fourth word. And so <laughs> I think that's one of the things that we, we do need, we do need to work toward unity. And I think we need yep. to strive toward unity and even amongst, you know, and I, I, I did, big camps, but I'm like, even amongst the Pentecostals, the Pentecostals, there's certain ones that are very legalistic holiness movement to the point that it's like, man, you are straining out a, a gnat to swallow a camel. Like this is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Um, or there's Pentecostals that are just like essentially new age hippies. And like, yep. you ask them like, well, what does, what is Jesus Christ doing in their life? And they can't answer in anything that's real or substantive. And so yeah. I, I think 
we need to have more unity on those things. And I think we need to throw out some of the preferences and be willing to. I think part of what's going to happen is funding for certain churches. I think buildings are going to start going away. I think all yep. those things are going to be longer congregation. But we are going to almost be forced to have to be put into a place of unity because we don't have the um, we don't have the comfort of being able to just continue to do things uh, the way that we are. But I think that's yeah. a huge. I think that's a huge one. Uh, you touched on um, adoption, and you touched on. Uh, serving widows and orphans. And I think the church does that. You're right. Per capita, I think it does it better. I think we have a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's a guy, his name is Dr. Anthony Bradley. Um, and he gave a statistic one time and I had to look it up because I couldn't, maybe I can send you the link yeah. to this, but totally we'll put it uh, in the show notes based on based statistically on the number of churches, evangelical churches in the United States. Oh, yeah. If two families from every church adopted one child, so there's two children for mm-hmm. every church. There would be zero orphans in the United States. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. That's I was insane. Like, I'm like, I'm thankful for the people that are, and God bless the, the, the church that is. But I'm just like, man, there have to be people who are out there. There has to be people like me who are out there that if I'm looking in my heart of hearts, I'm going, man, I don't think I've been obedient to the Lord in his call for me to do this. And I don't think I've stepped mm. up in the way that's not again it's not for everybody if you can't stand up nobody's knocking you for not standing up right yeah but if you are able and if that is something the lord has called you to do man i would just say man we we could be doing something that would really be a sign and a wonder to the world around yeah. us could you i mean could you imagine Literally. that or, or um you know whose church did this in a really awesome way was uh uh it's called mclean bible church mclean bible church uh-huh uh, David Platt. Oh, yes. David Platt's yes. church. Mm-hmm. They, at a certain point, I don't know what it is today, but they they weren't bragging on themselves, but they were showing what God has done, and David Platt was showing what God did through his congregation. They had, in their county, they had zero orphans. Zero. That's wild. I couldn't believe that. And I thought, like, what an expression of the people of God coming together to obey what God has called them to do. I just was, I was flabbergasted, man. I was like, yeah. and... I was like spurred on to go like, man, how can we do this? What can we do? How can we resource people? How can we, I've, I've seen three or four different couples that are trying to gather funds right now on Facebook or whatever it is. Yep. And it's like 30,000, $60,000 to adopt one child. And I was like, oh, like, and I just, I think instead of, again, instead of building the fourth wing on our building, like, could we say, hey, we're going to put together mm. a fund to help those of you that want to, and and we as the church, as church leaders, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And we Mm. say, this is a value of the church. We want you to adopt. We are not just going to say Roe is done. So the church's role is done. The church's role has only begun. Like it's, we're at the very baby stages of this. And, and and in about five years, we're going to be able to tell whether the church was really just about ending a law or if they were really about Mm. being truly pro-life. We're going to find out pretty soon. And, that's I good. would love for the church to be able to step up yeah, and do that more. Um, feel free to. No. And honestly, and like, that is the wild thing. Cause like, I know I've seen the stats somewhere of like, it is, I think we're either seven or eight times as Christians have a higher percentage chance that we will adopt. Yeah, And then mm-hmm. it's that stat as well of where two pe- two families in a church did that. Like there's, there's zero yeah. like 
if to, two families and, in every and that's church wild because all the churches that you know i work with and um and it honestly it's probably just a coincidence or it, it's something here locally a lot of churches around here we have a heart for adoption mm. and and honestly i mean tens and and tens of maybe even a hundred you know families in some of these larger churches are adoptive families yes and and that's so cool and it's it's so awesome but then that also then just shows how many churches out of like i think there's 348,000 churches right now in america wow. something like that 46 wow. or 48 i can't remember but like out of that that means how many percentage of them are doing none and they have zero yep. and in some of those obviously are because you know they got 25 people in their church okay right. well that's asking a lot to have two families you know adopt. right but the math should equal out when there's a church of a thousand, five thousand. Well, yeah, they they better have more than two two people adopting families. So yeah. it, it is just crazy. Like there's so much room for improvement, or even the system of how it works, right? Like back in and you've you've touched on politics a little bit. Is like the church's role and like the Christian's role, not necessarily the church, church and politics, whatever. But sure, sure. essentially, Christians that attend church, like. If you want to make changes, like, do it. Do it at yeah. your local level. Like, play a part. Like, oh, hey, our foster care system in this county is janked up. Yeah. Cool. Go in there and figure it out. Like, bring people in. Like, ask questions. Like, you know, find consultants of people that are in other counties and do it. You know, whatever. Like, there are roles that we can do and improve and grow. And, you know, that's, that is some of the things that I would agree with you on is, like, the church can improve but it's not for the lack of us not trying or it's a big overarching problem that everybody has. I would say the church as a whole doesn't have a singular overarching problem that every church in America has, but there's always things that we can continually be improving on, um, for our local community, for, you know, even bigger areas. And as we kind of grow and Acts one eight style of like your your neighborhood, your city, your yep. you know, and go all the way out. Like how each church impacts the world. Um, you know, there are those things that man, we can we can improve. Like you are able to be a hand and a foot in this capital C church or finger or a fingernail. I mean, you know, with all of those things to be able to impact, grow, and develop. You know, the bride of Christ into what it is supposed to be. Right. Like we know we're never going to see perfect this side of, you know, eternity. Right. But man, our goal should be like our goal should be going always towards like what God is, has perfectly envisioned for his church to be. That should be our goal point, And that should be, you know, where we're aiming and directing. And I think we're there's moments of where I'm like, man, we're really making strides in this area towards that. But then, you know, when you're doing that, well, one's falling off over here and then that gets picked up and then another one. It's right. It's a never ending game and puzzle piece of moving all those things around. But, um, no, I, I totally agree. It's a, it's that struggle of where it's like, man, like we can always be doing it better, something better. Um, you know, in working in excellence, which, you know, is a big thing for me. Um, and you know, something that God's called me with is like, Hey, work for excellence. Like, Everything I do as as the Lord, like I do it in excellence. Absolutely. Cool. It, I've gifted you know people in their skill sets and their abilities to do those things with excellence. You know, I may not be able to be to read with excellence, but I'm able to do media, or I'm able to do um, you know just 
back in production or technical stuff with excellence. Great. He's given me and gifted me in that equipping. My wife, she can read like a thousand pages an hour. So <laughs> cool. That's yeah. her gifting. That's not mine. Yeah. Um, but being able to use all those gifts and strength to push us just continually in that direction. Like churches are going and navigating through some of the biggest, toughest times that we've ever had um, as, you know, as a whole. And that's never going to end either. Like more of the church has been around, more of the church is going to be continually oppressed. Here in the American church, we don't really know the definition of what being an oppressed church right. is, right. but one day we might, um, you know, and so with that, like as that's continually happening, we still continually have to be fighting this to be able to hold it back. Right. And, in doing that work. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, interesting little aspect of where it's like, man, it it's tough because it seems like there's no end. Yeah. Well, and, and here's what I would say too, if somebody's interested in this, cause I, I we could bullet point off some of these other things 100%. that I have, but a, a really good place for me that really one of those like shaking books that I read that mm. I was like, man, I've, so I've, it's one of the only books I've read twice. I, I even just looking it over, I was like, man, I need to read it again this year. It may be one of those books I just read every year. It may be yeah. one of those one or two books. But Letters of the Church by Francis Chan was about some of the major fault points that he saw with the Western American church. But the the thing that was different about him than so many of these other, you know, Twitterati people that essentially are are criticizing the church also was just the spirit behind it. The spirit behind it was, here's the role I played in it. I was a church leader. Here's what I built. I built a massive congregation with a bunch of people and one of the big things that I came away with from him was he said, but when we said, when we as an elder board looked and we said, are our people known for the extravagant love of God mm. operating in their life? Number That's the number one thing. Are our people there? He had to come, he had to look in the mirror and go, no, and I'm the one leading this. So I guess I'm responsible. So I need to, re- I need to remove myself from this because... Yep we believe this is what the church should be. And if I'm not doing it, well, then I'm complicit. And so he removed himself from the American church completely, right? Did, has done um, a lot of mission work in China and other places yep. in the world, but he is back in the United States and he is speaking to a lot of these issues. And again, the the spirit isn't, oh, the church is bad. Here's all the ways that I can, you know, here's the, the 10 points I can go into my pastor and be like, guess what, pastor, we're not doing blank, blank and blank. It's, it's self introspective mm-hmm. and saying, what role am I playing in these things and how can I see them differently? And, and yeah. a lot of what he's done is is moving to a house church model, which I thought was a joke. I really thought it yeah. was a joke. The first time that I heard about house churches, I was like, it's a bunch of offended people who don't want to be in submission to pastoral leadership and want to run their own thing. And, and they'll get off course and they'll do that kind of a thing. And there are some that are yeah, that way. hundred um, percent. That is true for some, but I believe there are so many that are truly seeking, you know, what God has for them. And they're looking at the resources. And instead of saying, how do we, how do we fundraise for a new building? We're looking at, man, how do we provide a new vehicle for this single mother of five yep. who wants to, wants her kids to be part of the church but just simply can't provide for them. And you know what? And she may buy a PS5 for her kids for Christmas. And you know what? That's okay. Like, that's not how she spends her money. 
if she is being disciple in our church and if we have provided for those things, well, then if there is a moment of correction, we can lovingly give that. But if we haven't provided for the needs of the people immediately, how can we look at them and say, you need to be yeah. correcting and doing those things? And I think providing some of those things will uh will really help. So that's, that's a really great resource. If somebody is 100%. interested in loving the church, like this conversation, and maybe this book has come up in other conversations, but yeah. that is, I mean, that's Francis one I would do. definitely has just because of what he's been doing. Right. And so, I mean, I think, you know, this as well, like me and Becca went through that, the house church initiative program mm. that they have. Yeah. 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 Um, because that's something that we were looking into. Yeah. And so, yeah, Francis has shaped my view and way of church. Um, very, very, like very drastically. There was almost every every week a new lesson was coming out of where it was like, "Holy smokes! I never thought about that before." Okay, well that rocked this world, and now you know that pottery back imagery of like, "Oh, yeah. gotta stick my thumb back in." Okay, that's weird. Um, that's something that I should have thought about. And I mean, yeah, letters to the church, beautiful. Everything that he's written, honestly, since you know stepping from his. A role as senior pastor of his church um, has really had that heartbeat of where it's like, man, like church is supposed to love, and mm-hmm. we've we've lost that like inherent aspect of of who we are, and um and it's not in that rebuking way either. It's like, man, right. like I had a part to play. I I now have a part to fix, and yeah. at, at least in some ways. So yeah, yeah, it's huge. The, the phrase right, you shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house. It's yep. like so many people that are throwing these stones are living in glass houses themselves, or they're just not like, man, if you're not on the team, I just, I don't want to hear your critique. Like, yeah. If you're going to say, Oh, I'm an ex evangelical because I do blank, blank and blank. Like, okay. You know what? Maybe like there's more important things that you need to figure out in your life rather than just throwing stones at the people that hurt you. And I'm willing to say that I'm willing to say huh. there are so many people that have been hurt by the church. Yeah. But you know what? A lot. Maybe the most important thing in your life, if that has happened is not to just, hurt people back like if yeah. that's really what you're now if you're just vengeful and that's just what you want to do <laughs> then okay i mean i i guess go for it but there there are so many people that are i would call friends that i yeah i've had to have conversations with because i've just said man like i just don't understand what this is and i don't know your level of hurt and i don't know what what you've gone through but man like I, it just it seems like there's got to be something that's out of whack here and, and yeah yeah and there's a lot of other things that we could say and again i could if you want, we can bullet point some of these things or we can just yeah. kind of try to wrap from here, whatever you're, whatever you feel. Doesn't matter to me. Let me check with what the time. Mm, you can keep going. I don't mind. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, for those that would be in that place, I think uh, the other thing is I think the church could do a really, one of the ways it could improve, could do a really good job of hearing these people out. Mm. I feel like there are, now there are, there are those that just want to throw, they just want to get out of it because, they look 14 year old because I wanted to have sex with a girl. I didn't want to go to church because I didn't, if I went to a church, then I would know and I would be convicted that what I was doing is wrong. And I would hear yeah. in the church that what I'm doing is wrong. Now for those people that you're not who I'm talking to, yeah. but there are generally people who are hurt by things in their churches. And, and let me say this, every church I have been at, I have been hurt and offended by certain things, by leaders, yeah. by people in the church. I, I know what that is like. And I, I would tell stories that would make, people just shocked and I've done it in, in personal conversations. I've said, Hey, these are things that have happened when I've had these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are things that have happened to me. And they go, 
what? And I go, and you know what? And I'm still deeply committed to it. My wife has said really mean things to me. I've said really mean things to my wife and I'm still committed to her. Yeah. And that commitment doesn't go away just because I have been mistreated by my wife or I've been mistreated by, great point. by a friend. And so yeah. I, I know the church is an organization in mm-hmm. the sense that there are 501c3s, there's, you know, there, there are big, uh, almost corporate level structures for some of these churches. Yeah. I get that. What I'm saying is these, the main important part is that we are a body of believers gathering together. And you know what? So if, if you're hurt at that church, maybe that's not the church that you need to be at, or maybe it is, yeah. or maybe there's some submission that needs to happen. And one of the things I think churches could do better is let's say I'm moving, let's say, use my example, I'm moving from upper room to coming into mercy culture. One yep. of the things I asked is what's your relationship with your past church? And so we said, oh, we're, you know, we were at upper room. We're in good standing with upper room. We were, we were giving financially tithing. We were volunteering. And I said, okay, are, are there people that we can reach out to there that can confirm those things for you? And I was like, I was kind of like, I, since I was telling the truth, I was encouraged by it, but yeah. I was thinking, man, I, I wonder how many churches are doing this because, and they said a lot less than you think. The reason that they said it was because, you know, if you are just essentially, if you're just ghosting your previous church because you want to come to the cool new, yeah, and Mercy Culture has been called that here in Fort Worth. Oh, they're yeah. the cool new guys on the block. And and people have left Mercy Culture because of certain differences and things like that and have gone to other churches. And all of a sudden, it's like instead of actually discipling non-believers coming into the church, we're growing numbers Transfer or growth. leaving yeah. because we're just swapping sheep all over the place, right? Yep. And, and I think churches and pastors and systems could be developed to go, hey, so if you were hurt, if, I, if we were hurt by Upper Room, and if we're leaving because we're really upset with someone or the way they did something there, I think it was responsibility of the big C church, of all the churches to go, you know what? That church is on our side. So if we need to make amends with them and you can come in under a, under a, with a clean conscience before, before God and with those people there, because if you come in with unforgiveness, you're just going to find the same kind of things or different things to get offended by yeah. there. And or you find like-minded people and then, oh, then, oh, now there's a group of people that have unforgiveness or have bitterness and like that, that's not good and healthy for that new church that you're going to either. And so like, it is very much in a way important on the, the new receiving churches end that you take the, you know, the steps to be able to be like, Hey, let, what, what is that relationship like? I've I've had situations where I've left um, different churches for different reasons, yeah. but I've never been asked that, mm. and never once. And and essentially, if they asked me, I would be honest and tell them the truth. And hey, this is what happened. This is um, the situation. You know, I'm good in a good standing, or I'm not in a good standing with them, um, just because I'm open like that. I don't mind having those conversations. Right. But the fact that I've never even been asked is insane. Like it, it's, it's honestly crazy. Um, but you know, it's one of those things of where that's a huge touch point because the number one rate of growth in a church is transfer growth. Right. And like, and yeah. you know, there are outliers out there. Like some of the, the fastest growing churches in America aren't because of transfer growth. Like right. it's because mm-hmm. they're, they're making impact in their community for the first time or Absolutely. whatever. But Everybody else, churches that have been around, their number one growth rate is transfer growth. Right. But also, like, who's checking that box? 
Like, who's saying, yeah, I transferred here just because this had a better thing for my kids. Well, that's great. That may be true, but, like, mm-hmm. you're just now moving over. Like, did you even cancel your membership at the old church? Like, how, you know, and, it's not playing a fitness, but at the same time, like, yeah, there's and, a role in responsibility you play. And what if a bigger church comes along with a better kids program? Are you just yep. going to leave us? Exactly. For them over there? Like, if because if, if that's, if you're just doing it because of just that or just well, that's the only reason then there's no real I, I it's it's hard for me to see a bond of unity yeah the reason i don't think churches do this is because it looks i mean bringing in new people is great like the church feels alive it feels like there's different people when a church is growing up you've been part of congregations that yeah. are growing numerically and there's yeah. all of a sudden there's new people it feels like there's like an energy there's something happening everybody's happy i mean staff members think like oh the things we're doing are actually working yeah and so it is hard to go wait let's pump the brakes okay if you're going through membership here and you want to be a a deep part of this body why are you doing that why are you here and because what that does is it opens up the opportunity. Maybe you have to say, hey, you need to reconcile with this other church before we're willing. You can still attend on Sunday. You can still watch us on a live stream. You can still do all that. But, you know, there's a point of reconciliation here that needs to happen. Uh, or you need to talk with somebody about that at that church yep. before we're doing. Now, if you want to come in and you want to lie to us and say, oh, I'm in good standing. I mean, I guess that's between you and God, right? Like, exactly. do you want to get off on that foot with the new church, like by by no. lying about your other church? No, and 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 I think that, but but churches aren't uh, they're not incentivized to make sure that the people coming in are wanting to really truly be committed there because yeah. it's easier to just go. We had a thousand new people in the last six months, like, yep. and that looks like wow, the word of God is spreading, and look, oh, we're, we're killing we're, it. Yeah. We're doing the Acts two thing, and it's like well. After Acts 2, the people had to, uh, Acts, you know, uh, 3 through 6, the people began to have to spread out, and they had to go everywhere. And so if you would have looked at that, you would have maybe said the church in Jerusalem is not doing so hot. And if you see what Paul is writing to these different churches, he's asking for support financially on the Jerusalem church. And I think there's a lot of people, if you were using American Christian metrics for whether Mm. a church is doing well, if you looked at the Church of Jerusalem, you would say, well, they had thousands and thousands of members, and now they're down to barely hundreds. And those people, are they really committed? Are they actually, you know, what what part of unity are they in? And so uh, I think... I think that is, I just think that's another one of, of if we're truly all on the same team, if we're truly yeah. all for unity in the body of Christ, we need to be willing to say, maybe this person's not willing to join in a, a real highway. And there's a longer conversation around just church membership and what that means. Yeah. I think we could raise a standard. I, I'm always a raise a standard guy. I'm yeah. always like, make it harder, make it harder to do this because if somebody is willing to meet that standard, then that's somebody that I want on my team. That's somebody exactly. I want as a friend. That's somebody I want as 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 a church member whatever that looks like and so that's not the only right just just checking people and going hey are you okay with your previous church um but yeah but some of these other ways francis chan talks about our our level of love does this person are they overflowing with the love of god in a way that's memorable like i I just think man the way that god describes himself throughout scripture Mm. is continually uh the lord the lord slow to anger and abounding in love if those are the two things like I just say for myself, I'm like, man, like there's, I would just want better metrics than that because like, I'm not very slow to anger. Yeah. And I think I'm a pretty loving person, but I don't think anybody would describe me as Rabia as somebody who abounds in love. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if those are the attributes that God uses to describe himself most frequently, 
then maybe we should take that for the people that we want to be part of our church. And that yeah. we should, before we do that for other people, we should Apply look in the mirror yeah. and go, I, I don't know. I'd probably say, oh, if two, if I'm like really, truly being honest with myself. Yeah. And so that, what that means is, uh, doesn't mean that I can't be a part of any church. It just means that all these resources, all these things, it means that I have a real dependence on the church to help me mm-hmm. get to a place where somebody actually does say, wow, yeah, Rabia is somebody that abounds in love. And I think the church is set mm-hmm. up and is able if we were, if those were the metrics we were looking for rather yeah. than, yeah, Rabia gave 50000 you know, over what he gave, $50,000 more than he gave last year. And yeah. Yeah, the metrics are skewed. It's a harder <laughs> it's a harder metric to analyze as well. So as kind of like a data person, like I love data, love analytics. Same. Like that is such a hard – like it's because it's not quantifiable. Yes. It's like – because even like if you are abounding in love, that doesn't result in, cool, you've led 10 new people to Christ. Like that's not how that works. Right. Like it, it's – there's necessarily no quantifiable number of being – man, our church is abounding in love. Like you either are or you aren't like, (laughs) I mean, you could be on a growth trend towards it, but like, it's a, it's a weird line because that's the easier. How many attendants do we have? Is our giving up? Is our giving down? Um, are we having more people attend our events? Are we having more people engage with our, um, digital content? Like I can provide you numbers for all of those. Yeah. (laughs) So here's, here's a good, here's what I would say about the metrics and maybe, maybe we wrap on this, but yeah, metrics part of it. Maybe instead of going, Luca had 60 points, 21 mm. rebounds, and 10 assists. Maybe we go, how did the team do? Yeah. How's the team record, right? How do, I mean, the way that we, we measure success from some of these other players, and it's a, you know, if you go to the NBA, it's a rings conversation. Yep. Well, why is Michael Jordan the best? Well, he won six championships. Well, why isn't Bill Russell better? He won more championships. Yeah. This person didn't win, or, or, you know, or Chris Paul's never won a championship, yeah. but check out his stats. I think sometimes in Christianity, we're looking at it and going, well, this person gives a lot financially. Mm. We can't afford to lose to, our big fish to upset them. Yeah. So, you know, if they say, I don't like what so-and-so wore on the stage, maybe we'll take that into consideration because, you know, maybe they, they, maybe they give $10,000 less. Maybe their next tithing check is, is way less than it was. Yeah. And instead of doing that, what if the metrics were, how many poor do we have among us? Like, mm. what if instead yeah. of how many, how many actual people attended, maybe we get that number so that we can go percentage wise. Of course. But maybe we go like, how many people are living below the poverty line in our congregation? Yeah. Huge. And what if, can we get that number? Can we do golf? Can we get that number to zero? Can yeah. we get like, can we do that? Can we make sure that the people in our congregation have a working running vehicle Mm. They have Wi-Fi. They have so their kids can do their homework. They have these certain basic life necessities. Is there anybody that's so hungry that their their kids are are you know the kids are the are small and are not growing at the rate that they should be because they're undernutritioned? Yeah, like, is that uh, you want to use quantity? Because I'm the same way. I'm I'm a numbers guy. So I'm like, how do we do this? Yeah. What do we do? How do we go discipleship? Are there steps, steps and stages of discipleship programs that we can put in place that we can say, hey, the discipleship program is not the goal, but if we're saying, hey, people are moving along, this is a way that we can say, hey, we've trained our people in prayer. We've trained our people in 
uh, in what giving financially looks like. We've yeah. trained our people in being generous. We've trained our people uh, in, in if you're a charismatic church, we've trained our people in, in praying in tongues and what that looks like and what a relationship with God is and what a relationship with God is not. Because sometimes, especially for pastors, do you, how would you even know if the things that you're doing are actually making an impact unless you can quantify those things? And yeah. so I just think the numbers that we're choosing to highlight could be chosen differently. Yeah, could be chosen better. And and yeah, yeah so how does that love show up? Or, or yeah, do we have this? Do we have these certain things showing up, or do we not have the certain things showing up? And uh, yeah. And so if anybody else wants to know, I, I got all of the answers for all, all the stuff. <laughs> all of them. Uh, I'm sure I will listen to this conversation in about a year and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said blank. And I'll, I will it's look forever back, immortalized. <laughs> right. I'll look back and say, like, man, I was so off on blank. I wish I knew the depth of blank. And uh, I think what the good news about that is and talking you use the, the example of the body so many times this person's a finger, this person's a big toe, this person's an arm, this person is this. But when we do that, and I think instead of, again, going back to individual statistics, instead our our goals are how are we as a body Mm. doing these things and how can we, so if we're as a body not adopting any children, we don't need to go and be like, you look like the kind of person that needs to adopt. We need to preach to our church and say, this is the reason why, here's what God has done for us in adopting us as his sons and mm. our our big brother was the firstborn of many brethren that were going to come in, and that's us. And so we understand not everybody can do it financially. Not everybody can do it time-wise. Not everybody's called to do that. Yeah. But if you are, and if you do know that God is calling you to do this, we want to help equip you to do those things. And I think if we, I think if we did that, I, and, and because I am committed to being part of a local body, um, and because I'm committed to the local church, I am confident that I will continue to grow in the areas that I don't know and don't understand about what these things are. And yeah, I wish I wish there were more people that were on board with this, man. I wish there were people yeah. like us that were young that that not just I don't mean this in a old geezer shaking my fist at the world, but I'm yeah. just like, yeah, man, you have so much energy toward toward changing things. Like, come on with us. Like, we need yeah. you. We need exactly. those people that those that are are criticizing and yet not helping build criticize and show what's wrong and then say, and this is what I want. This is what I want to do about it. And you know what? And sometimes that won't be heard. And sometimes that's where our role is. God told Isaiah preach until all the streets are completely bare preach until your preaching doesn't have the effect that American church would think Isaiah wasn't a very good preacher. All the people got, all the people got taken away, but he did what God had called him to do. And so, no, yeah, it's an aspect of obedience. Well, bro, thank you so much for your time. And um, yeah, I let's let's talk about this again. Yeah.